0: Welcome back to Respect the Drive. I'm Tedward, and today my guest is Drew Kenny. And no, your memory has not failed you. You don't. You don't know his name. You don't know who that is. But if you're an old follower of my YouTube channel, you saw his Mini Cooper GP uh, blow up on a racetrack right in front of me. Actually, it wasn't that bad. It was a coolant hose. It was fine. But it was. It was a big smoke show, and it was fun. But Drew. Drew is a young man who is a driving instructor. For Porsche Club of America (PCA), and he also drives his own personal track car. Very interesting, an M4 GTS, which is kind of controversial. Not, not many people run that car. You don't see them very often, and they're they are fairly rare. But track season is coming to a close pretty soon in the Northeast. So why not take it over to Garage 42 in Wuber, Massachusetts for your car storage needs? Why not clear out your garage to actually use during the winter so you don't have to brush snow off your car every morning you go outside? And let the staff of Garage 42 take care of your baby in a climate-controlled environment. And while having my M5 up there has certainly relieved a lot of stress, there's just a lot of stress in general. I mean, yeah, I am not I'm I'm not necessarily stressed out about my work. I like my work. I like driving around to different places, driving different cars, filming them and sharing them with you guys. But obviously, the political climate is is outrageous. It's frustrating. The world feels like it's literally on fire, and if you're in California or the Pacific Northwest, it is literally on fire. So what I've been doing lately, and I'll, I'll admit this, this is what I've been doing lately to relax at night. I need like junk food TV. That's what I usually do. And for the most part, I go to bed watching Archer, Bob's Burgers, shows like that. Shows that I don't even need to watch. I've seen every episode 10 or 15 times. And, you know, it just it's just comforting. It's the right voices. I, I don't know if any of you guys do this. But lately, my show, uh, this is a little embarrassing, my show has been step by step. Do you remember that sitcom from the 90s? It was like a, a modern day Brady bunch. Two families come together, each of them have three kids. But instead of this happy family in the 70s, these kids all just butt heads like crazy. And and this is such a ridiculous conversation to have, but I it's on my mind. I have to talk about it. And and it seems kind of meta. It's like they make a lot of references about being on a sitcom. They and they and they they take a bunch of jabs at Eric Estrada's career, which is always interesting. But anyway. Enough about that. I hope you're finding some way to alleviate the stress and just escape your own brain at night and kind of find your happy place before you go to bed. But enough about that. Let's get into this conversation with Drew. And I have to warn you trigger warning for those of you who are language sensitive. I think I was in a, a tired, like not very creative mood, so my my sentence enhancers came out of the woodwork. So there's there's a few f bombs in here. So just a warning. All right, here's Drew, and and make sure you stay till the end because his McLaren F1 ride story is fantastic.
1: But honestly, Taber. No. You got some balls to be doing what you're doing and making it out of it. I saw your subscriber count today, and I'm very impressed. And it showed me that all it takes is hard work and what you have and obviously as well quality and videos and production. And the biggest thing that I think a lot of people don't understand until they actually do it is your consistency day in and day out
0: hundred percent. Like it's, it's, it's interesting that you see that. And it's interesting that I see the people closest to me noticing that. And to think that like two years ago, if you told me, you know, all you have to do is post a bunch of, a bunch of videos. And I tell you, no bullshit. I do punch, post a bunch of videos and it doesn't work. And I, and I'm, I'm getting right. 30 subscribers on a good day. You know, I might earn like $8, maybe, maybe my, my daily take, pays for lunch that day. Like that was that was a good day to me. Like shit, I got a free lunch because of YouTube. Um and then what I really had to do was like step back from my content as an emotional thing, like it's my little artistic creation and be like, "No, what do people want to watch that I also want to make?" And that's where this has all coincided because if you you have to have both. You have to want to make it and people have to want to watch it. And it's got to be repeatable, like really right. repeatable. Right. He's like, I mean, Jesus, what we were doing before, even those track day videos, I mean, I have like four or five cameras doing interviews yeah. with different people. And by and the way, big, I had no idea what I, the video was even about. I'm like going into it like, let's just film and see what happens. And then you have to sort through a bunch of shit and try to yeah. pull something out of a hat. It sucked.
1: Well, your organization and planning now is probably a lot more like critique per se than previously
0: it's so much easier because I basically, every car is just a story. Every car is an, a video essay. So like, I think anyone who's like, I want to be a YouTuber. Should I do it? I'm like, if you want to write five paragraph essays, like every, you know, three times a week, like you did in high school, then yeah, be a YouTuber. But <laughs> it's just, like right. now I write about cars instead of about like uh, Hamlet or Oedipus Rex.
1: I'm going to ask you this question because I found it interesting. And I remember I asked this to Evan Shanks when he was in my basement like four years ago, when he had like thirty k subscribers, sounds hot. And <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, because you have you have more than thirty thousand now, obviously, but I was like, do you understand? Like your following is legitimately like a small city.
0: That have is, you ever thought about it like that? It is weird. Like I think I I got that perspective when. I think I started doing like 30 or 40,000 view videos a long time ago. Like, once in a while, it wasn't like a consistent thing. It was like, ooh, holy shit, like 20, right. 30,000 people watch it. And like, someone was like, you know, that would fill a stadium, right? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. bizarre. You're performing for like a lot of people. And it's real deal, Holyfield. And I think the number one thing that people need to realize about YouTube, car, like automotive YouTubing, you have basically just opened up your car for hundred thousand back backseat drivers every two days every day like this i mean thankfully i'm at the point where like i've i've dialed in my driving to the point where it's enough where people don't bitch at me for stupid things the only thing they bitch at me now for is because i like to wiggle the the shifter when i'm in neutral and unfamiliar cars because i like to make sure i've got like a hard neutral just for safety don't want to break things but no, people get not. so people get annoyed with that people go are you on uh, am i allowed
1: to swear on here now you can tell yeah. whatever you want yeah, the people who like tell
0: you how to drive can literally go fuck themselves. I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, there's so there's two types of people. There's the people who tell me how to drive, and for the most part, I'm fine with that because I'm just like, the, the way they've told me how to drive tells me they don't drive well. Like, right. it's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Um, and the, like, because they'll be like, why do you, what if somebody said something? Oh, somebody yelled at me for um, depressing the clutch pedal when I started the Mark 1 GTI. And they said, you know, there's no interlock. You don't need to do that. And I'm like, that's just a safety thing. Like, and it's a courtesy to the car and the owner. And, and, and just, it's a good practice. You clutch in and there's no reason to put extra drag of the transmission and clutch on the starter motor. You know, there's no, there's no reason to do that. But people, get, I agree with you. people get mad at you. Um, and then. There's the people who shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh my God, it's been a long day. I drove that turbo BRZ today and it kind of scrambled my brain. The thing was pretty pretty good actually. I didn't expect it to be I thought I was gonna have to try to lie my way through that one. It was a good car though.
1: You drive a manual car, like you drive in there a manual car, and if people tell you you're driving it not right, they can go drive it and see how they do. Like five years ago when I was in college, I had an opportunity to drive a three forty eight Spider with a tubing. And um Slow as balls.
0: But the sound.
1: Uh, the sound was unbelievable. But when I shifted down to do a heel-toe because I was so used to it, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah. But I just noticed just that age and that transmission and the flavor that you have to do with your footwork, etc. cetera. And just – it's hard. Dude. You just can't go in there and do it like a normal car. And so when I see you do your thing, like I respect that and I.e. for the people talking shit, it's like you don't understand those generations of vehicles. It's a totally different game.
0: Yeah. I always use the Testarossa as an example, like Testarossa's everyone thinks it's a race car and like it might have sort of been in the day, uh, but that is a delicate balance. And that gearbox, you know, I love Ferrari gated gearboxes because they're idiot proof. Like you can never accidentally misshift because you're looking at the gate, which is great. But like, they also kind of feel like you're just rowing through a bucket of bolts. So like you, you don't just slam gears in those cars. No. at all. And, and it's interesting that people think that like, Oh, you're shifting slow. And like, I'll, you know, especially a classic car um you don't know if it has any synchros left. You've got to, you've got to test the waters. You've got to feel it out. And like, you know, I, I do the upshift blip. I I check to make sure things are kosher and happy. I, I mean, that's not my job to ruin someone's car. It's my job to just drive it and show you what it's like. And that's pretty much it. So.
1: Exactly. Not through the beat the shit out of it. It's to give a beautiful experience to the viewership.
0: What have you been driving lately? Uh, lately, uh,
1: so I daily drive my Mini GP two.
0: So that's is that is that the one that blew up or no? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that's it. the same one. Okay, so I
1: daily drive my Mini. The work every day. It's got eighty six thousand miles on it now.
0: That thing is so I, fucking stiff.
1: I know. Well, I got a Olin's like coilovers, and there was like one of the first GPS like in the world to have Olin's actually on it. That's some, fancy which was kind of cool. Yeah, that's fancy. And uh, Vorschlag camera plates on it too. And um, I had some issues with it recently, and I called Olin's, and, and they were like, "Your setup should only last like twenty thousand miles."
0: <laughs> That's a thing.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. And I put like forty k on that setup. Yeah. So it's kind of beat, but it does fine. And then I got my uh, I got my M4 GTS that just I do the track stuff with.
0: All right, I want to talk about this people. car because when this car came out. This car was really weird because it it was, it was like announced and everyone was like, oh my God, here's the king. And then it came out and people didn't know what to make of it. You'd had people who were like, wow, this thing handles really well. You had other people who were like, this is so stiff. And why does it have this stupid water tank in the trunk? Like, can you like having owned it and driven it for a while now, like take me through was there a, ch- like, first of all, why did you buy it? Like, this would have been a car that I wouldn't have bought unless I was just looking for something controversial to have, because it was controversial. And then how has your opinion of it changed? Like, does it, does it feel heavy to you? Like you're used to a mini GP used to like, like, like 911 GT3s and stuff. This is a very different animal.
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. So like, I'm, I'll be blown with you. So my dad gave me a price range for a vehicle he was going to buy me. Uh, which is fortunate on my part. So much respect and,
0: for saying that because everybody else is like, well, I had this budget and you're like, fuck it. I'm just like leading with my dad said. And it's like, yeah, can't really argue with that.
1: Well, it, it's like, it's pretty simple. It's like, you know, if you've lived life, if you're out of college and you work and you do the math, it's and it kind of makes like, can he actually afford it or can he not? So my dad gave me a budget for a new track car to get, because my mini was just run down and, my speed and whatnot, how I've long been doing this. I needed something faster. Yeah,
0: you're you are a quick driver. Like I, I I genuinely enjoy sitting passenger with you and having you as a passenger. And like I like I find I always find new lines when I'm with you. I like I like what you you know. You're creative on the track and you're consistent, and I like it. Thanks, Ted.
1: And um, no, thank you. So um yeah, I was looking and I was like, all right, what can I get? I could get a Camaro ZL1 1LE. Like brand new, that'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Because I really like the Z28, especially like the last of the 427. I think that would be a special car, you know, value-wise and another time we can talk. Um, but then I was like, all right, then I also could get a Cayman GT4 as well for the same price, uh, 2016s. But since I do the Porsche Club stuff all the time, it's like, not to sound snotty, but I drive those cars a lot. Yeah, I mean. Because they're there.
0: And, and like, look. I haven't driven one on a racetrack, but I've driven them. I've got some seat time in these GT fours. And while they are fantastic cars, they're really like clinical. They're almost like too good to the point where you're just like, as long as I, as long, I don't know. I, I, they are, they are really good cars. They are.
1: No, they're, they're beautiful. I got, um, the most experience I have is with one that has, um, seats, half cage, harnesses, and on slicks. And I've got a lot of time on a GT4 and that's setup, up. And it's beautiful. But I just want something different. And I saw the GT4, I saw the GTSs. Um, they depreciate half their value, which was pretty dope. And um, I called on every single one in America. There was like 14 for sale. Yeah. And I had a strict price. And I said, this is what I'll give you, or this is what I'll give you like this week. And out of those 14, one of them said, okay.
0: No shit. And
1: that's how it happened. And um, ever since then, it's been a beautiful experience. But it's um, what I liked about it was the arrow had the full arrow, So the, it's got the wing and the and the front diffuser that you can pull out and make it to a track setup. But I like the number as well. There was only 300 in the United States, 700 worldwide. Um, it's really different in a sense, too. And when you read about it, you know, they – BMW printed a 25-page book just about the GTS when it came out about all the differences and nuances compared to the M4 competition, the M4 CS, and then also the heritage of the lightweight M models for M3. So I was like, oh, this thing's kind of cool. And my first car being an E46 M3, I always had this kind of like, you know, my my heartstrings per se kind of went towards that vehicle. So budget and just what it did and on track I was like let's do it and I did it
0: had you driven one before you bought one
1: no every car I bought and I've never driven yeah before buying it
0: I've pretty much been there too yeah (laughs) not everyone but I bought my I bought my Porsche without driving it I got a ride like 20 feet and I was like I guess it runs
1: so like for what I do is like so for the track stuff like this is like my track car so it really only goes on track it's set up for that you watch enough videos if you drive and you understand dynamics and you watch people who are quick driving it, you get a sense, you're like, all right, this thing hauls ass. Right. So you don't need to, like, drive it to be like, oh, do I like it or not? Because you already know it's going to be great. And then, like, my first day with it at the track was at Lime Rock, and it was just absolutely phenomenal.
0: What is it competitive with? Like, if you were to, like, put it up against a GT4, a GT3, um, you know, let's just say, like, an E92 M3. I mean, it would walk the fuck away from that. Um
1: Yeah. yeah. It's um it's uh, on track. It's uh e, it's 991.1 GT3. Okay. GT3 RS. That's okay. really that's what it's comparative to. That's pretty wild. Ex- exactly the same. How does uh, it
0: deal with um, heat management? Because you've got turbo. You've got a, a tur- twin twin. Oh, geez God, it's been a long day. It's uh it's a twin turbo S55, right?
1: Yeah, so, see, I'm all about the dynamics, not the motor shit, so I barely even know that. But, yeah, it's a inline-six, <laughs> twin-turbo, uh, 500 horse, 450 foot-pounds, um, and, uh, yeah, it's dynamically just, like, great. What was your question exactly?
0: Well, like, how does it deal with heat? Because I feel like oh, that's... Oh, heat, heat. Because I look at, yeah, like, a 99... It's fine. Really? It's fine. Really?
1: It, yeah, and I... um, Yeah, it's fine, and it does... It does like a lot. So on a track weekend, they'll do around 200 to 400 miles in a track weekend, Jeez. and that's full red line through everything. And it gets a little hot, but it's not crazy.
0: Have you done it's, the um the what is it, the crank hub um nope. thing? Oh. Nope. no. I know. I know.
1: I know. I follow the F eighty like forums and the Facebook page. It seems like every day someone blows their crank hub and that yep. company out in California. SSR, yeah. has like a warehouse just full of F80s, just doing crank hubs all day. Oh,
0: they literally they they do crank hubs and E90 and S65 uh, E92 M3 engines for rod bearings. Like literally, it's a like whole fucking bread and butter, man. Yeah, they seem like actually a
1: pretty solid company, except for their roll cages. I think those are pretty weak, but whatever. And um, but uh, yeah. So I haven't done the crank hub yet, but the only thing I've done to it is seats. So I put like I put a Cobra. Or my dad put in Cobra racing seats and then Stroth harnesses with the half cage in it. And then as well I had the suspension from the M4 GT4 race car. What? Yeah.
0: yeah. So those are like remote reservoir deals with uh, or or what? What is do you know what it no, is? No,
1: specifically it still has the KW V3s. Okay. But the control arms and all those underlinings and within that, not the not the coilovers the control arms and all that is all m4 gt4 and so now turner when i took it there turner did the full track setup for my uh as an um the stance of it per se from the camber tail etc it is matched up to their gt4 cars what are you helps it.
0: can you run the stock wheels like are those a reasonable wheel to run are they too so big I, they look huge I,
1: yeah i run those i run those wheels for the rain and then I have a set of 19-inch Apex wheels, 265 squared on Hoosier R7 slicks.
0: Okay, that's making more I, sense. I
1: run for the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that does that does absolutely fine. It's honestly, it's you set it up like that, thing's a monster. It doesn't spin wheels. It grips first gear, second gear. your
0: floor, it just goes. Well, on Hoosiers, it's fucking better.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 and. The thing the reason I did that too is the tire wear. The thing would go through tires in two set, in um two days with yeah. this regular setup. And yeah. so after doing that, tires lasted the whole season.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, so it was well worth it. And that's what Turner told me. They did a great job. They said, hey, if we will do this, your tire wear will dramatically increase. And I did it, and it's been absolutely perfect. That's pretty
0: good. so are you you running more mostly with PCA now?
1: Yeah, I do mostly just with PCA just because I instruct with them. Yeah, tell and me about so,
0: that. What's, how did you get into that?
1: Uh, well, I've been doing track days. I'm 27, so I'm doing almost 10 years now. Um, so my dad has been doing them for like ever. He started out uh, doing um, in the 3.0 CS in like the 80s.
0: Like a, oh, like, like the BMW, like the, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 E9. I th- yeah, I had to think about, I had to go way back in my brain for that, sorry. I was like, I'm like picturing his 997 GT3, and then you said that, and I had to, I had to go to a different chapter. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did that with the, uh, he did that with a 3.0 CS, and a, then a E28 535 AS, and E34 M5, and then so on, so on, you throw the M3, etc. So he's been doing it all since, it's racing, and so I was just around that my whole life. yeah. And so when I turned 18, and that's when you're allowed to go on track legally, um, I just – it was like, let's do it. And so I just did it, continued, rose up through the ranks, and I said, like, I just want to, like, teach people. Yeah. And so then I qualified to be an instructor and have done through PCA just because dad has Porsches. So I've been a part of that for a while. And I just like the group. I like the type of people. They have a really well-run program as well from the instructor candidate to yeah. how they teach their students. So it's been a beautiful
0: experience. So what what do you notice most like, from entry people? Oh, God. I, I, I could think of nothing more terrifying than being an instructor with somebody in a 911 who's never driven on track before.
1: Like uh, like tomorrow I'm instructing, and I'm instructing a lady probably in her late 30s, early 40s in a 991.1 GT3, and she's so, never been the
0: See, like, it's funny. I, I feel more, I'd feel more comfortable in that. Like if, if, if like, imagine I came to you in my air cooled nine eleven and said, drew, I've never, I don't know what to do. I've only driven this to the store. Like I, if I were you, I'd be like, I'm not getting in this car. You're like out of your fucking mind. You're, you're going to yeah. kill me. What
1: you have to do is be pretty verbal about this is what we're going to do. And you're going to pay attention to me because if you do you're actually going to get better. Right. And so you kind of got to sit them down and just put them in their place. And sometimes they don't like it at first, but once they're in the car and they hear the instructor's direction and actually what, how to do it, they actually get into a rhythm and become comfortable where you're not actually scared per se. But a lot of times you have to like sit them down and say, Hey, you're going too fast here or you're breaking way too hard. You gotta be safe in these areas. And they pay attention because it's not just, them crashing their car, but it's my life as well and their life too.
0: Well, and the worst thing, like I I always, this always breaks my heart when you see those stories. It's always those like Vegas supercar programs where like an instructor dies because, you know, some hot shoe plows them into a barrier and, you know, like either they both die or the instructor dies because they, you know, they put them sideways into a barrier in a way that no, like no reasonable driver would ever do, but a complete novice who just really didn't know how to react to a car's um, you know output and didn't know how to put an input in to recover from it totally totally botched it,
1: yeah, no, exactly. And like that, sometimes you get some scares per se, but one of the things I like to do is scare them in their own car, but not me driving, but with them right, as in like, all right, take this corner and I'll understand the front end grip. It's all about the front end grip, actually.
0: Well, yeah, it's so Porsche. How much,
1: <laughs> yeah, so like how much the front end can grip, and they'll go into a corner, and they'll go out of it, and they'll be like, holy shit, I don't want to do that again. I'm like, good.
0: Yeah, good. don't do that. Because
1: that's, that's what your car can do, and you're not there yet. So let's just keep it at a level that you feel safe at.
0: Have you had close that's... calls? Like, has have you been in any accidents? Uh, no accidents. I've been in...
1: Some people going wide over apexes in the runoff. Yeah. Um, the scariest ride I've been in recently was with a guy in an F ninety comp M five, and he brought like I said track tires. Oh boy. And he was like he was like he was in the most advanced group, but he was an absolute wild <sighs> man, and he was just. Using every curb possible a track out, even going into the grass a little bit, you could see the dirt flying off. He would break at the latest point where the full ABS would kick in. Oh, and, you know, you just, you're just you going out with your hands like,
0: uh. Yeah. Uh. yeah. And if no. you as an instructor who's been in a lot of cars are looking at a braking zone and feeling like, I'm not really comfortable there, like that's a bad thing.
1: Yeah. So it's happened. That's happened actually a lot. But you just got to feel comfortable. But at the same time, these cars, the ones I'm specifically in, they break so well. Is that unless you break like way too late, then like then you really will never get in trouble. Yeah. You'll just miss
0: an apex. Well that's good. I mean, where do you see people plateau the most? Because I think a lot of folks like you know, a lot of folks have done a track day or two or three or ten. Um and they get the they get used to driving, they get used to what they're doing. And then, you know, there's gonna be a point where they're like, Yeah, I uh this is where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not shaving, you know, it's funny. It's like I can go out to Palmer. And I'm, if in four sessions, I, you know, I go out for my shakedown run and I'm like, okay, I can pull a few seconds off of that. I can pull five to 10 seconds off of that. And then I'm running in like the actual competitive times with cars in my class um, by the, by the second, third, fourth um, outing. Um, But at the same time, like I, I, I know there's time to pull. I know there's always going to be another second or two or three, like where do you see people plateau and how do you kind of manage that?
1: People usually plateau through pace based on, um, based on their braking and they're accelerating the way that you get them quicker is by understanding smoothness within turn in. That's a big thing. And then also getting them actually to get on the throttle earlier and actually have them break a little later. So they break later in a corner than they're used to at their speed. But right when they brake and get off, they get right back on the throttle. And a lot of people who plateau don't do that. But if you do that, you'll actually balance the car better and have better exit speed. And through that, actually, your times will increase. And that as well actually turn as an understanding your front and understanding that you can actually turn a little ear, a little earlier. And that understeer, feeling understeer might not be scary or might not be slower. It actually might make it hook better. Right So, it's like small things like that. So a lot is actually smoothness. Smoothness is the biggest thing when people plateau is getting smoother with your applications from searing throttle and braking, yeah, well, that's I, what I see personally,
0: yeah. I, I think a lot of people just don't understand what a like novices just don't even understand what their cards are capable of because they've they've driven their car on the street. They've taken an on ramp at a speed that they thought was alarmingly quick. Um, and then they find out that they actually have only been using about 50% of their car. And I think that's the most beautiful thing in the world. I think when you like, I think when you show somebody what their car can do, that they had no idea that is the most beautiful thing you can do with a car person is show them that like, you have no idea how fucking fast your car is. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, I've uh, no, I agree with you. That's um, it's always exciting, especially with somebody's like in green or which is like a beginner group for Porsche. Is you usually don't want to do it with them, but sometimes they understand, okay, I'm not that fast. Like, can you show me what I can do? And you take them out at like seven tenths, yeah. and they're just like, holy shit, like you just did that. And like, and even like the bigger groups, like for example, like at the Glen, like about a month ago, I got the whale on your generation 911. That was set up for the track yeah and he's like a fast driver but he's like like take it out and never driven it before and i just went like nine tenths and it was beautiful coming to a corner right when you break you break light because it weighs nothing i know and all you do even before you turn in even turn in you just get on the throttle and then and then you turn in and it just grips, and all you do is you throw steer just with the throttle. Right. So there's no like, there's no like steering input.
0: No, you just it's tip it like, in, and you you basically steer straight. You basically all you're doing is the bare minimum to make sure it's kind of pointing somewhere, and you steer the car on your foot.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like we're in like the fastest group, and uh, I outran like a 991.2 GT3 in it. Yeah. Just home ass. It was fun. It was fun. But like that shit. But like a guy who's in, who likes it, who likes it, and is fast. And lets you go take out his car and says, like, what can it really do in a sense? At my speed, I'm not no pro driver by any means. But, like, yeah, people really enjoy that usually. And they get to experience, like, holy shit. So, yeah. No, it's always fun. It's a good time, as always. And it's just, you know, it's a it's a hell of a time. Everyone, anyone who's into cars should go do it. It's like I tell people, it's like, all right, like, you throw the football all the time outside, but you don't watch football. Right. Like, What? Like, all right, you go to drive your car. Like, you haven't done like a track day. Like, why? Even though it might be expensive, but theoretically, there's so many clubs out there, like mass tuning, that actually make it affordable.
0: Dude, I, I'm so about this like trend lately because there's 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 a few clubs like it's, it's hard to even call them clubs. They're not even clubs because you don't like belong to them. You just go, and and it's and it's amazing. It's totally democratized track experiences because you go out and you and you can. I think the thing that stops a lot of people is because they are afraid to go solo. They're afraid to be like, oh, I'm going to go by myself to this track day. I don't know anybody. I don't know what it's going to be like. Am I going to be a complete asshole? Like, I, am I going to, you know, for me, it was always an etiquette thing. Like, I kept, being terrified to offend somebody on a racetrack by, like, not blending correctly or something like that kept me off the track for a long time. Right. And then once I went with my friends, I don't. I don't think you were there the first day. You might have been, but... I remember feeling like, why haven't I been doing this? I, this is what I like. I'm, and I'm, yeah. and I'm okay at it. Like I'm actually learning yeah. and I'm getting better and I can like watch myself grow. And it's incredible. It's like the only thing I've ever done that I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm getting way better at this like quickly. And it felt great.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's, um, yeah. It's, um, if you never if don't know anyone, you go there. The crowd is so nice, too, and the people are so welcoming. It's such a welcoming crowd, as always. and You'll always go there with people who are just starting out, too. And if you continue to do it, you'll grow with those people, and you'll advance and run groups with them. And next thing you know, you have a friend group that you go hang out with. And next thing you know, it's a summer hobby that you hang out with these people, and you do it locally, or then you go travel somewhere. We have to get a hotel, and it becomes a weekend with these people as right. well. And you start a whole new friend group that you never had previously while enjoying this hobby that you didn't think that maybe you would know anyone with to enjoy. So if you're doing like it's all dependent, but I always say like if you're doing track days and you just want and you want to do it, just to have fun and you're not racing. Go buy whatever you want that you want to have fun with and actually enjoy.
0: Well, what do you recommend for like a normal person who has a normal budget? Let's say it's 40000 or less. Like, you know, you can buy used cars, too. Um. But let's say you're like, okay, I'm not rich. Maybe I'm 25 and I can afford 20 grand, 25 grand. Maybe I'm like working, but I still have to pay for my mortgage. So like, okay, a $40,000 car is fine. And it's not a dedicated track toy. It's something that like, you know, from, like think about me, right? Like I have an E92 M3. I do, you know, aside from this year, maybe like four to six events a year. And I mm-hmm. just want something that I know I can pad slap, throw some rubber on it and call it a day. Like what? What are the cars now that you see a lot of folks using that are effective tools that aren't just sitting there with their hood open? Like oh shit, I wrecked it.
1: Well, not to get too deep into us, I'll say one that disappoints me is the Civic Type R. Just the fact that those overheating issues for yeah. something that's built for the track. But that there, that's it. Done. We're done on that subject. Yeah. Uh, number two. That horse. <laughs> um, but no, theoretically, if you want to just have something that's fun that you can take to the track and have fun with. M235i with a six speed with limited slip. You think so? It's going to be a fun car. You got the limited slip. It, the motor, actually, I think, would be fine in it. Like, that would be a, it's a great daily as well. And if you just want to go do like a couple sessions in, that'd be fine. I per se, that's a personal thing um, as well. Like, what Andrew Wen has is he has that Cayman. Yeah. So your 07, 08 Cayman, Cayman S, yep. like 25, 30 Gs. That's going to be
0: bulletproof. So don't ask ask me how I know this, but the M235i does not have the oiling system of an M2, and it cannot handle sustained Gs. So just anyone out there driving M235is, make sure you put a baffle in it, um, and be aware that if you go with real sticky rubber and you're on a track with long sustained corners that you're going to be close to or at a G, uh, you are going to starve that engine. You are going to fuck things up.
1: All didn't know that. Um okay, uh so explain that. not this crazy
0: uh, though? Like those are the, that's like the level of like it's not just about the car's performance that you see in the numbers. Like you have to really think about like think about the um we've seen I mean we've seen it happen with uh, LS swapped G like 996 gt 3s where it's like oh shit, oil starvation. Like you know, you yeah. you, you got to go bananas with with scavenge pumps and a dry sump system. To yeah. so to do this. It's like I know. You know, you can know. you can lay it all down and you can have the motor that has this numbers and all the things, but it's like, but what happens in a corner for 15 seconds, you know?
1: I know. Right. Like the big thing when i when I buy my cars or when my dad buys my cars for me for the track. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna bullshit. I just I,
0: mean? I love it. I just love it. It's funny.
1: It's um is I make sure is that the car I'm gonna use for the track. I don't want to have to do it. The M4 was, that was the problem. I didn't know it had, so I had to do it. But the thing I like is buying a car, like with the mini, I want to buy something that I don't do anything to and just take to the track. Exactly. Zero modifications. Exactly. Zero, except for like tires and pads.
0: What about weight? Because like for me, that's the thing that steers me away from say like a Camaro. Like a Camaro's a heavy car. I already have I was a gonna heavy say car.
1: The, I was gonna say like a Camaro is like a great car to have as a daily and then rip on the track. It is beat a, the hell
0: out of that SS1LE. Like what a deal! And like you can scam those dealers out of those so like with crazy discounts, like crazy right? discounts. Oh my god, unreal, bananas, unreal. You sacrifice yeah. fucking visibility, but like dude, I will play cat and mouse all day with a Camaro on a racetrack. It is so much fun. They sa- and they sound so good. You're gonna want to give them. a point by it's great
1: i know i know um yeah weight weight is like a is this is a big thing but if you're using it as like your as your like other car to your street car it's like most likely your daily is going to be kind of heavy
0: agreed it's, yeah you're agree.
1: not you're yeah. not going to have a lightweight car that you're daily unless it's just like you live by yourself you know what i mean or like whatever or you have a second car
0: well you bring up a good point because when you bring your daily your 34 your 3600 pound car to the track you, you like if you if you kind of fall in love with the driving and you fall in love with the dynamics and you start getting angry at your car cuz it's pushing cuz it's heavy and like you know oh all this shit it's so funny how you can in a day in like 20 in like in like an hour go from, I love this car. It's so fast. It's the greatest car I've ever driven on the street to this heavy pig is a nightmare. And I want to buy an Ariel Atom or a M seven. And I don't care what I have to do in my life. I want to, I will daily that thing if I have to, because I want a light car and it's so wild how then you go back to the street and you drive like a tin can on the street and you're like, Oh my God, I need, I need an M3. I need, <laughs> I need a safe car.
1: I know. I know. And, but to be a double advocate as well, like if you have a heavy car, or it's heavier, and you're mad at the weight, learn how to drive around the weight.
0: It's true. It is learn true. how to
1: drive. You can. There's definite ways on how to drive a heavy car fast. It's not impossible by any means, and you can be successful at. It. You just have to understand the dynamics and drive it how it's purposely built to be driven.
0: It all goes and back might to being smooth. Different. You're right. Like uh, uh, the heavier the car, I feel like the smoother you end up being. Like because because yeah. if you thrash a heavy car, if if I try to. Follow a GT86 with a supercharger into a corner, uh and and I take his line. My tail is already gone. Like I can't yeah. do that whiplash craziness. Like you know, you've got to you've got to coerce the heavy car into the corner. You've got to let the weight do the work for you, and you've got to like convince it to go.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like for example, like when I get like for example, my dad's got 997.2 GT3 RS i tracks. Wild man for doing that. Yeah, that, and, car, is, uh,
0: that car actually scares me. Like, that car legitimately scares me. And it's not the car, it's the tires. When I see the slicks on that thing, I'm like, you're fucking crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't know why he does that. Just that because That car's
0: actually dangerous. Like, that car is, like, legitimately, I look at that car, I'm like, that's fucking dangerous. That car's dangerous.
1: It is dangerous, but actually, when you drive it, and you start hauling ass in it, and <laughs> and um, and then you just you're beating the fuck out of it, and you start getting into the traction control at like every corner exit. Yeah, it's actually like wicked controllable. Right. It's not even that bad. It's actually not even that scary. I think it's, it's actually wicked fun.
0: It might just be like I, I I've intimidated myself with other cars where I look at something and I go, oh, I I, I can't drive that on home. the street. <laughs> on
1: the street, I agree. On the street, on the it's scary to drive fast on a street than on a racetrack. Yeah, I believe. Hundred percent, I believe. And most that. people only drive stuff on the street as
0: well nine nine sevens are kind of scary on the street because those fr- the front end is so light. oh my God.
1: It feels like it's gonna like my dad's car. It just feels like it's gonna lift off the ground every single time you give it the beans. It just like feels it's gonna do a wheelie. It's
0: crazy. It's not quite like like so the way I describe 997 turbos is like I love watching in-car video of a 99 like a a, a tuned 997 turbo like doing pulls because like you just watch the the steering wheel go from straight to Whoa, this crazy sawing motion because it's like the wheels are barely on the ground anymore.
1: The best car I've ever driven in my life. Actually, probably the top three. I've ever driven in my life is a tuned, like lightly tuned, like chip tuned, nine nine seven dot one cab six
0: speed. A nine nine seven cab six speed? Like just a Carrera? No turbo. Oh 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 sorry, yeah. Okay. That makes turbo. sense. Turbo. You, you like that? Top
1: down Why? six because I I love I love <laughs> I, no, I I know, it's weird, but it's got the Porsche dynamics. The turbos, you know, they haul ass. They do, yeah. And you got the top down, which I I like convertibles. I do like so, convertibles
0: too. I think so, I I I'm, I have such a thing against not a thing against. I think I just have a stigma against um, against against 911 turbos. Like I, I like I love a good turbo. I've had friends who have like tossed me keys to crazy turbos. I'm like this is nuts. But like, would I go buy one? No. I'd buy I'd buy I'd buy I'd sooner buy a base Carrera than a, a turbo.
1: Yeah, like well, like for instance, like my dream Porsche, like that, like affordability-wise, that, like I could actually probably buy one day, would be a, like a nine nine seven dot two cream white. You know the cream? Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, cream white Turbo S. Done. I didn't know every that. day like that. It's funny because that just taught me more about you than I think I've learned about you in a very long time. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like fuck your horoscope. You want a cream 997 Turbo. I just learned a lot about you.
1: <laughs> I, I, think I think that color is stunning, but also I love the 997 Turbos. I think that, that generation 997 Turbos are way more special because of the Metzger, especially the Turbo s too, because the, the last generation of Turbo West, and a lot of people don't know this, is where they built them like four years after the Turbo.
0: Okay. Where it was like
1: where it was special to have a Turbo S similar to a 996 Turbo S right and then the 991 they just made them together
0: right right because you right, could right.
1: just sell them so at, during the time when the Turbo S came out it was a big deal
0: yeah yeah
1: you know so that car is a little special I think in that aspect that it was actually made at a later date while they were still making the turbos and it was like its own model
0: outside of auto you know high performance driving. I won't say racing because we're gonna be honest here. um outside of like high performance driving, what do you like what makes you tick like is that like is that what you wake up thinking about or is it just a thing you do some weekends? like I think a lot of us in the beginning, i mean I, I can't really speak for myself here, but like, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do. And then, you know, it slowly fades because either you're not racing wheel to wheel and it's like, okay, I'm just going to these things or you're working, you're like going to a track day and you're working, you're like, uh, you're, you're an instructor. So, you know, is that how you identify or like classify yourself as like, oh, I'm a driver or like there are other things in your life that you're like, oh, this is kind of actually more important to me or like, where does it stack up? What are you, who are you, who are you, Drew? it,
1: it, It is a hobby. And all of this is a hobby. I don't think about it every day. I think about it probably two weeks before it's about to happen. Yeah. But I get prepared for it, and I get excited to do it. And yeah, it's a job for me there because I'm instructing, I'm running around, I'm doing a lot of things, and just driving. You know, I get a, I work I work a sweat every single track day because I'm doing a lot. But it's a it's a hobby. You know, and I think that's how you should approach it too because life's so short where if you only focus on one thing, you're only really in the one thing, then you'll just, you know, become bored of it per se. So I keep it special. I, I keep it special.
0: That's good. That's good. So what do you like, who are you outside of driving? Because I think a lot of times we just talk about that. And it's like, okay, but like, what, you know, what do you do? Obviously, there's like money invested in cars. It's a family hobby. It's a family thing. It's like, a. it's, yeah. it's what you guys like to do. It's like, you know, some people go on like, you know, oh, we go to the Bahamas every Christmas and all that. Some people drive fucking GT3s to the track 12, 15 times a year. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like I go, I, um, I work, I work for a very small startup and there's only like seven of us trying to get it going, which is like really exciting. So all my focus day to day is on that. Um I go down to the Cape almost every weekend. Uh, with my girlfriend because her parents live down there and we enjoy the beach. Um, I'm a part of a boat club called Freedom Boat Club. I I, I pay a monthly fee and I go take boats out and I don't have to worry about shit. And I go like take my friends out. We enjoy the water.
0: Yeah, no, like owning a boat sounds like literally hell. And I
1: don't own a boat, so it's nice.
0: No, if I had to, I would, I would, I would much sooner own like a fleet of uh, 1960s, like economy sports british cars with lucas electrics than a single boat that would like it sounds like the worst thing in the world
1: no no, tom my life's pretty actually pretty dope i go i hustle on work days during the week or on weekends i'm either tracking watching motorsport or taking my taking like a boat out so like life could be a lot worse yeah so it's pretty enjoyable
0: that's pretty good there's
1: there's like there's like it was like my things. And it's like actually really nice too. Cause I do the driving stuff and I got that dynamics of driving. So when I get in a boat too, like I can fling that puppy around. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Boats fucking scare me because like waves are big. Like it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not a water person. Uh, it's funny because I am so risk averse, mm-hmm. like, which is bizarre because you put me on a racetrack and I, and I, and I might be timid going into it by the second session. I'm like, riding the wall balancing the car and I'm just so happy and it's and it's wild because you can watch me go from oh I don't know I don't know if I can do that to like just ripping and it's my favorite thing like because I see a side of myself that I forget exists when I'm on a racetrack
1: yeah yeah I yeah no I agree with you yeah when you get onto a racetrack all of a sudden your balls get twice three times as big fear goes out the window completely and all you want to do is go fast that's
0: all you want to do it's funny because it's like i don't even think about it as my balls i just think about it as like (laughs) i have have, it's it's like it's like it's like i've got enough enough brains to do it like i have enough muscle memory to learn more i have enough humility to know i need to learn more but i have enough skill to enjoy myself and push myself and I think that's just something that I don't get anywhere else. Like I don't have any other thing in my life that I can go in feeling like this is such a bad idea. You might crash your car. You might be terrified. But at the end of the day, you are just like an animal in like your pr- most primal state enjoying life like that. I feel like is just what it's all about.
1: Yeah. And it's like crazy. Like um, I was thinking about one. So, you know, like, you know, Palmer, the track. Oh, yeah. You know, have you done the backwards yet?
0: I've only done backwards. All right, I've so never you know, done the conventional way. <laughs>
1: all right. So you know when you're going up the hill to the right hand or down the front straight? In that section, though, I was always staying 75%, 80% throttle. And this is back to our fear talk. I started to say pinned into it one time, and the whole thing got loose.
0: And an M4? I'm shocked. I'm sorry. <laughs> the
1: whole thing got loose, like... Like probably 25% oversteer correction while pinned. Yeah. Just not a, a good,
0: f- not a good feeling.
1: No, but I think it's scared because I was on the track, but if I was on the street,
0: Oh, you would have shit yourself.
1: Shit myself. Shit but that thing yourself. you're talking about though, fear though, as in there's none when you're on there, you execute. It's crazy. Here, you know, just, you know, keeping it to track stuff. If you had all the money in the world, hypothetical, we love these and you were doing just for track stuff, etc. What would you buy? All the money in the world? No, all the money in the world, but let's keep it under, let's say let's keep it under two.
0: I was gonna go McLaren F one because I was gonna be like the and not because it's oh it's the best car in the world, which it is great. It is, it is likely the best car in the world, but it's because it's a naturally aspirated V twelve. I think it's just so back to basics. It's just a stiff, rigid, visceral, manual car. Um all right, under two million. Ooh, so it needs to basically follow all that all those rules, but you know. I think, you know, I I I know a lot of people are th- going to think my answer is going to be a P car of sorts. It's not. I think I would just go pretty basic. I would do something like a really hotted up Caterham Seven or something like something really simple and driver focused that, like, is can be outrageously fast. Um, but I'm all about this lightweight shit. Like, you give me a light car. If you give me, a, oh my god, this is why I've been like like drooling over these K cars. Cause like how often do you get to drive a sub 2000 pound car with like a hundred horsepower? It's the fucking
1: best. I've never driven a sub 2000 pound car. Oh my
0: God. It's my favorite thing in the world. Like you've driven a Lotus Elise, right? That's 1800 pounds. Oh yeah. Sam's car was actually really fun. That car is great, but I'm telling you, it gets so much better. Like the Elise starts to feel like a pig in some, like when you drive some of this stuff. So really, I mean, to me, I'm all about like, give me like 150 or 200 horsepower in a car that weighs like, you know, 1500 pounds. Like that just gets me the fuck off. I love it. I love shit like that. I don't know. I, I power always feels like Taylor of
1: seven, dude.
0: Like, but like, but like, with like a, don't they make like a crazy it's a one? a great car. Don't they make like a, a cool. Caterham like 500 or something like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a cool. No, I feel you. I feel you. Hey, if that's what you like, that's what you like.
0: I think that's what I, I think. I mean, right now, that's what's on my mind. We're and talking it's,
1: hypothetical, so fuck it.
0: I mean, but otherwise, like, I mean, it is fun to have power, but I don't, I'm not a power guy on track. Power is like, power is like the, power is just going to teach me bad habits. Power is just going to mean that I'm catching you because we got on the straightaway. I want to catch you because I fucked you up in a corner.
1: Yeah. I take a Senna.
0: Ooh, all right. That's a, That's oddly enough, I have no seat time ever in a Caterham 7, never even ridden in one, but I've ridden probably 3 or 400 miles in a Senna.
1: <laughs> yeah, Senna blows my mind and it's my favorite tracked street car to date easily. I think it's like absolutely the most ludicrous vehicle known the man right now
0: i've never been in a production car other than a scuderia that makes the just creaky interior crazy noises that a Senna makes like the Senna is so it is like i mean it's it's raw like it's crazy
1: dude it's i like am i like i do a lot of sim racing and so like i got my vr set up and all that and if I'm, if I got a couple beers in me on a fucking Saturday night, like I'm taking a Senna out and doing hot laps and having a hell of a time. And cause it's just absolutely insane. It's, it's, it's insane.
0: It's, it's weird though, because the reviewers, like the, the auto journos for what it's worth, they weren't thrilled with this car. They were like, it's not a, it's not a street car and it's not a GT three competitor. Like you couldn't like, and when I say GT three, I mean like racing series, like actual GT three, um,
1: no cars are GT3 cars on the street. No.
0: So I guess, where, like, what is it? Like, why? Uh, that's it's, a, a, it's a 720
1: with high downforce.
0: Right. It's like, why is it a hypercar though? Like, what may... So this, the Senate always confused me. because Look at I, it. I get... I, well, yeah, but I get what it is. But, like, I mean, the P1, when it was the Holy Trinity cars, the nineteen the P1, and the Loft, those cars had such new, novel like hybrid technology, like they were doing crazy things. Like those cars were unlike anything else that had ever been built.
1: It was a barrier breaker. It was right. a barrier breaker.
0: And the Senna felt like it was way behind that barrier, but it was just really good at doing what it does. And it was just like an amplification of like the old well, school.
1: Well, that's what now we're doing. We're seeing now with these new hypercars I look at, they're not building in the brake barriers. They're building in the brake barriers in different
0: segments. yeah. What, so, what like, segment is the Senna in?
1: It's just it's it's your millionaire playboy track car.
0: Is there anything you would cross shop it with, like uh, a Valkyrie? I don't know. I think the Valkyrie. Well, maybe you're right. Valkyrie. The that's like I
1: don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly know. I'm jealous. You got Ryan and Senna. Um, I can't say too much. I saw a six seventy five LT yesterday. That was dope. Those are
0: great. Yeah, that was sweet. That's held um, but, up. That still looks good because everything else looks kind of like McLaren. Oh no, I
1: know, I know. I mean a seven six five.
0: Oh 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 oh. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw
1: one. I saw one yesterday. I haven't seen one of those yet.
0: I've yeah. not seen one of those yet.
1: And um and um I uh just I don't know if you know this uh I got a ride in the McLaren F1.
0: Tell me more.
1: Yeah, this is when I was young. Uh, I was a kid at the time, but a dad's buddy of mine um knew the owner of the car cars. He had three of them down in Boston. Classic. So yeah, the black one, the silver one, and the LM.
0: The orange LM.
1: Yeah. And so the guy was friends with the McLaren guy, and he was like, hey, like, you want to do a trade? Like he he's like, i oh, you can take one of my F ones and I'll borrow your E forty six M three.
0: What fucking world is this? Is he the <laughs> world's worst negotiator? This is like, this is like, this is like, what? oh three oh four. I mean, they weren't and, worth that money. Like they weren't like, I think people need to realize that like, they weren't $50 million cars back then.
1: No. And so, um, he's like, all right. And so I remember it was like a Thursday night and like, I still remember this. Like my dad was sitting down he got email right on his computer from like, cause there's texting back then really. And he's like, he's like, Drew, he's like, uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but it has a McLaren F1 like at home. Like you want to go check it out? And I knew what it was because I played Need for Speed the too.
0: Right. And I had like a model of one. But again, at this, so what year was this? 2000, what? 2003, 2004. Okay. So you were like, what, like eight, nine? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I was born in, I was like, I was just about 10.
0: Okay. So t- as a 10 year old, I was a little bit older you, than you, but like, we didn't, I mean, first of all, None of us had ever even heard one, right? I mean, like, you, you, like if someone said McLaren F1, you weren't like, oh my God, that sounds incredible. You wouldn't know because I think the first time we, most of us saw a McLaren F1 in action was on YouTube like 10 years too late watching Tiffany Dell drive one on on top year fifth year whatever it was it's the best but review
1: of all time it's
0: fucking incredible are
1: the e60 on five review which is absolutely insane that
0: one is bad shit he does crazy stuff because that like that like road circuit thing that they had yeah, to play with yeah. Dude, like violent violent road stuff anyway so you get this and email nah. he's like i'm gonna give you this ride
1: so um yeah we go over there um we went over there the night before and just looked at it and i'll always remember this we're looking at it and he takes it out my dad's checking it out he he's st- so we in. started it Oh star all that stuff. You know, year, like, like, did
0: your like like ten-year-old brain just like fucking scramble? Because like that's a sound. Think, I, was, I
1: thought it was like really cool. I was like, oh, like this is like really cool. You yeah. know what I mean? But I didn't get it really. And uh, I remember we were playing wall ball in this guy's garage because the McLaren was outside. And the tennis ball went past me and it started bouncing towards the McLaren. Mm-hmm. And I started running towards it and I caught it and jumped like right next to the F1 like next to the hood, like right around it and barely missed it. Like at full speed with my body. And the guy was like, okay, like stop, stop doing that. We're
0: not doing this anymore.
1: <laughs> and, um, so the next day we went up, we, um uh, we went over there around five 30 in the morning. And, um, cause that's the times you take a clear enough one out. Uh,
0: yeah. It's like, and, the, uh, the dew on the grass, a slight fog. And, uh,
1: yeah. And so I'll always remember, uh, my dad's a selfish bastard and takes the left side, you know, <laughs> And so, like, I'm on the right side, and um, you know, we're rolling through nor- North Andover, just you know, chilling, going through, just whatever. And it's like chilling. I still remember. It's just, it's loud, it's angry, you know. And I'm sitting there, I'm like low in the seat, kind of your back, right. And um, I'm, I'll remember specifically. He, um, we get on the highway, four ninety five, oh and um, we're doing our thing, and he's kind of cruising. And he looks over at my dad, and then he goes, "You ready?" <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, "All right, whatever." And um, pff, s- s- second through fourth,
0: shut the fuck
1: up. Full beans. Oh and, my um, god! I um, I started screaming. Oh, telling him to slow down.
0: Yeah, no, it was so scary. Everyone thinks they want to do shit like that. If you were ten years old, you're like, "Dad, the stranger's gonna kill us."
1: Yeah, yeah. And so we did well, top of fourth in the F1, which is some ridiculous That's speed.
0: ludicrous. Yeah, that's probably really fast.
1: And I'm actually screaming to so slow down. And my dad's reaching over the other side of the seat, grabbing me, telling me like, it's okay. It's
0: okay. We're okay.
1: It's okay. And then he like did it like again, just because my dad's like,
0: I need to, like, look, because <laughs> your dad, your dad's, your dad's living a dream too. Like, I think we forget that. You're like, your dad is in this car going, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm, when I'm in and thinking, my kid better not ruin this for me. I want to feel second through fourth again. <laughs> well, we
1: were now in it for like 45 minutes and like after that just cruised around in it. But like, I don't know, like to the day I die, i will be like, I got to ride in like a McLaren F1.
0: The induction noise behind you must have just been earth shattering.
1: It was insane it was it was it was absolutely insane and that guy too it's i've had great conversations with him he's actually driven the lm okay and it's beautiful just to ask him like what's it like to drive that because i think that's like the ultimate supercar of 100%, 100%. all time 100 percent. and like he just says from the f1 it's a different level but yeah those things it felt it felt insane i wish i was 10 years older though
0: I so i i have stories like not not in a mclaren f1 but exactly. i go, i have, go, 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 I have go. those conversations with or I, I think about that a lot cuz my dad we we we're like a car family like everyone yeah. oh, you
1: guys sent the car your mom e90 you we sold man. it we sold it but so it's,
0: gone. it's gone but we actually sold it to the guy who we bought it from oh, that's perfect he fucking followed through cuz the day we bought it from him he said if you're ever going to sell it call me first and we did and he bought it um but like we you know my i grew up with my dad and all of his friends who weren't married um they all still were hot rodders you know they had yeah. like wheel standing <laughs> gremlins yeah, yeah. they had split window vets they had gt500 eleanors they had um chevelle we had a guy so anyway th- the the point of this is that growing up i'd end up at car shows or his friends would come over with hot rods and, and I was upset. I just need, I'm like, I want to ride. I need to, I need to be in it. I need to feel what it does. I, I am hearing it. And it's like a sound I've never heard. It's so outrageous, like a 427 Cobra, like crazy stuff. And I remember like, so my dad would always be like, would you take him for a ride? And they'd always say yes. And then I can always remember the second question. So as I'm getting belted into a car, his friend would inevitably look over to my dad and say like, is he? What do you want me to do? Like they're basically saying, like, can I scare the shit? Like what, what? Like your son, your young That's son. That's
1: sensible. That's sensible.
0: Because these are adult men and they have some sense of responsibility. And my dad, without fail, every single time, said, "Scare him." Jesus. And so I have had, like, hell rides in the mo- like monstrous cars that were like real. Like I remember going out in a four twenty seven Cobra. And that seatbelt wasn't a seatbelt. It's like the little buckle clip thing. It wasn't yeah, but, tight. I'm yeah, like, yeah. and he was crossing double yellows back and forth on this winding road, just lighting it up. And I was like, I remember coming back and being like, I'm not sure I like cars anymore because this is horrible. <laughs> this is yeah. the scariest thing I've ever been in where I'm like, I could, you know, and it's like, you probably felt comfortable screaming, slow down. Cause your dad was in the car. I'm with like this stranger who I've never met in my life in this. Like, yeah, you can't. And I'm like, just I'm frozen. Like, this is yeah. not good. And because the thing is, I thought I'm like because when my dad says scare him, it was like every guy he said this to would like up the ante. You know, I can remember being in the Chevelle, and it was like n- these the, are
1: muscle cars too. These oh, like these like, terrifying
0: because they weren't dialed in. Yeah, they like weren't dialed in. I remember the Chevelle that our it wasn't even a friend of ours. It was the guy who was doing the cement forms for the foundation of our addition. So I'm like I don't know 11, 12 years old, and we go for a ride in the Chevelle. I'm with my dad's in the car with me, and 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 I'm in the back seat, and my my childhood friend is in the car with me. So I'm thinking like, oh, he's not going to do anything too crazy, and he's been building this Chevelle for years. It's got a sequential gearbox okay yeah. that should that should immediately tell you that bad things are about to happen it's just got a giant tack in the center of the car with a big like you know dummy light or dinghy light what do you call it the shift light it has a yeah, name yeah, they yeah, called yeah, it yeah. something um and he takes us out and as we're driving up the street the front end is just floating it's just bouncing and we're not really doing anything yet and i'm like what the, like this car feels terrifying and we get out to like the street where i do some videos out there still And every time I take that corner, every time I get on this straightaway and open up a car, I think about this car because he just lights it up. And through three gears, we just it was it was just gone. I'm like, we're doing 130 on this little tiny two lane back road in the woods in a car with like probably no brakes and probably like the scariest suspension I've ever experienced in my life. And that was one of those cars where like, I'll never forget that. And I'll also never forget that when he left the house that day, he left like 300 feet of rubber in in our neighborhood in front of our driveway And my mom comes out. And you probably
1: live in like you live in like a suburban neighborhood, like
0: a nice little neighborhood. my (laughs) Mom walks out of the fucking front door and she goes, "Oh well, that's nice. The neighbors are really gonna." Because first of all, we were doing fucking construction for like a year, so we were already the annoying neighbors with hose and dump trucks and cement trucks. And now this guy goes and lays like three hundred feet of rubber up the street. But yeah, that's the kind. Like it wasn't unusual to just see like a giant pair of Elevens in front of our house. That was kind of that's
1: pretty cool. Those muscle cars too, though, dude. Ugh. Ugh, that's but, pretty cool that you were that's pretty cool that you were like around that, to be honest with you. Well it's like not muscle car stuff, I especially that you're in the European stuff now.
0: Yeah, well, because I have no ties to the muscle cars anymore. Like it's insane. And the closest I've driven to a muscle car lately, Bizzarini. <laughs> yeah, but that's
1: that's a that's a million dollar car.
0: I know, but it's got a it's got a small block Chevy in a in a four speed uh, gearbox like that. And it's a muscle car. It's like driving a Corvette because it's a Corvette drivetrain. Yeah. Oh man. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I know this was we don't have like a good like logical conclusion, but this was just like a fun conversation.
1: No, as always, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Thanks for it's coming always on. good it's always good to talk to you.
0: And and it's good to like have somebody who is on the other side of the uh, the instruction thing because I think we talk to a lot of track day people, not necessarily track day instructors. And uh, it's cool to hear. It's cool to hear like you know, what it's like on the other side of the car. Because I, I like, don't, dude, I'm too much of a control freak. I, I don't know how you get into a passenger seat.
1: That's why I do Porsche Club too, because they're all 50, 60, and 70 and rich. Yeah. So they're
0: responsible. And the egos are slightly checked.
1: Yeah, when I did two, and the, it was a little more wild, but it was fine once they understood. But at the end of the day, if you give the instruction and their minds are open, you're fine.
0: Yeah, I think that's the number one thing, so... If you're out there and you're thinking about doing a track day, do do it. Definitely do it. Just keep an open mind. Like go in like a sponge, absorb everything, do your best to listen.
1: Yes. Listen, listen and absorb because that's the best way for you to do well and learn is by that. And I, when I was 18 and my 46, I thought I was quick
0: and I wasn't. We all thought we were. Yeah, that's a good, God, that's a good point oh my god if we all had the video game ghost driver in (laughs) in real life of our fucking 18 year old self we would be the we'd be like devastated by how shitty we were yeah dude yeah
1: i know i know i know it's like it's taken me 10 years to like i'm at like it's 10 years and i'm at like the peak of my driving ability it's been it's taken me 10 years to get there yeah, I'm about to go play F1 2020 after this. I'm going to do time trial, and I'm going to feel like I'm hauling ass. I'm going to be 7,000 out of like 9,000.
0: Dude, it's slow as fuck. But that's why? It's a hobby.
1: It's a hobby. It's all it is. That's how it should be. should be a hobby. All Enjoy right.
0: life. Well, but thank anyways. You. Thank you for coming on.
1: No, anytime, buddy. Thank you as well. So, what'd you
0: think? Uh, would you be a good instructor? I mean, let's just assume you've got the driving skills to be an instructor. I know I couldn't really do that. I, I have a lot of I have a lot of admiration and respect for those who uh, who take the passenger seat in in a race car on a racetrack. track. It's 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 a dangerous job, and you've got to have you know you've got to have your wits about you, and you've got to have a lot of trust for the oftentimes stranger sitting in the driver's seat. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and my guests today. I want to thank my Patreon supporters, your donations of one, three, five, ten, fifteen dollars a month. I mean, literally every dollar contributed to that Patreon helps keep this podcast and the YouTube channel alive. And when you're listening to this, I think I think we'll have hit fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. Don't forget to respect the drive, and I'll see you in the next one.